Thank you very much, Julie, for a wonderful <laughs> intro. Uh, how are we doing today, everyone? Thanks again to joining us uh, is Connor Donovan as well. Uh, our other WECB soccer show, our other favorite WECB soccer show. How are we doing today, Connor? Awesome, man. Thank you guys for having me on the show again today. I've uh, been a fan of uh, football's life for a little while now, so I'm excited to be back again today. We did some exciting World Cup episodes in the past. Yeah, your first episode was episode 37, I believe, and now this is episode 81. So, been with us for a while. Yes, sir. Uh, Ethan, Ethan is with us on Zoom in New York, and yes, yes. Matt is still in L.A., uh ethan how are we doing today happy birthday to your mother yes as it's well my, it's my mom's birthday today who you just heard um and it's very cool to have her on the show and this is this is something that i've always i if uh, that i've always thought i might say in in an evie's speech if we ever you know won one of those things um was that my my mom and my dad met uh, in radio actually so i would not be here if it wasn't for radio and uh so uh, almost like two years ago now which is crazy when that came to me with this idea to do this show with him and matt um it was like it was a no-brainer because it was this full circle moment to kind of go back to radio uh for the cooney stampler family because they stayed they stayed in the voice acting game, but not necessarily in radio. So it was cool to to make a, a familial return like that. And when I brought the show idea to Ethan, did he tell me any of this? Nope. Uh, but uh, we, I mean, like Ethan's uh, radio experience, definitely shows because we love having Ethan uh, on the show. Uh, Matt, how we doing out in LA? LA is great. Uh, it's sunny. I know it's not sunny over there, so uh, stay jealous. And yeah, I'm excited <laughs> for the excited for the show today. <laughs> well, uh, it's good that we're in good vibes right now because uh, it was it's been uh, a sad uh, couple weeks for our teams and the MOS world. As uh, I mean, we look at our predictions for the playoffs. And all three of us uh, have, are the team that we picked to win MOS Cup. Uh, all of them are out now with Ethan picking St. Louis, me picking the Sounders, and then Matt picking Philadelphia as Philadelphia and the Sounders both eliminated. Uh, so uh shows what we know about MOS as uh, uh, Matt, um now uh so for our season predictions uh you can't gain points from Philadelphia uh winning um MLS Cup anymore how, how do you feel about uh who's left right now Um 
I think it's a super exciting situation because all the teams left uh, play really strong soccer. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, hell is real. Semifinal is just incredible. Um, even though I know we don't like to root for the Cincinnati teams here, um, you can't deny the quality of soccer they've had. So they probably deserve to be there. Um, and then LAFC is staple in the league for a long time. And Houston, a uh, just such a strong team coming on late. I think one of my earliest predictions, um, one of my earliest predictions was going back to last season. And it was about how Hector Herrera um, was going to uh, raise the level of Houston dramatically. And it's really late. This is I'm not claiming that prediction. But whatever Houston has done, they've done it well, and they're a good team now. So I think all the teams deserve to be there, and it should be exciting. Well, all of us picked, all of us picked two out of the four teams that are in the semifinals right now. Ethan picked uh, LAFC and Cincinnati uh, to ma- uh, to be in the semifinals. The other teams were Nashville and St. Louis. Uh, wow, uh, Matt picked uh that lafc and cincinnati would be here i said cincinnati and houston um but and right now uh uh for the for the lead uh technically i'm still in i'm still in first uh in that uh prediction uh but uh uh before we get into the conference semifinals we're gonna circle back to uh, the reason why we had this conference semis so late is because we have the stupid international break that comes in uh, right in the middle of MOS playoffs. Yeah, right. Every Everybody loves a good international break, interrupting all of your club's good progress that they've been making. Yeah, so killing all the momentum. Um, hopefully, we don't have the stupid uh, three-game series again. Um, after this, uh, so that the momentum uh, that teams have and whoever is playing well going into the playoffs can continue to play well. Uh, because especially for CONCACAF teams, these games are entirely stupid, and there's there's no positive for the U.S. to gain anything from playing two games against Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, that's that's been my question for a while is what really is the point of having these Nations League games? Like what is really the gain from this beside more financial gain and for clubs or not clubs for countries through like TV streaming money? But beside that, like all you're doing is adding more workload to the players and adding more risk for injury in their club seasons. Like what's really the point here? Well, the Nations League was added the CONCACAF Nations League was was added pretty much because of UEFA adding the UEFA Nations League. Yeah. And unlike the UA, unlike the UEFA Nations League, which uh, which I think is good because uh, there are complicated ways in which if you do well in the Nations League or in World Cup qualifying, then it can help you uh, make a World Cup or make it to the Euros. So the games matter more. For CONCACAF, it's 
the same the same four teams essentially are always going to be in the CONCACAF Nations League uh uh semifinals and final um so like there's really not much uh different uh, differentiation between uh the club be the between the clubs because you got teams like the US Mexico Canada Jamaica um are just so much higher than the rest of the other teams in CONCACAF so there's no positive again to playing this except the only especially for people like Burhalter like there's nothing he can gain because we should be winning all these games by like 10-0 so so then when we don't it just again raises the question of why Greg Burhalter is coaching this team because as the US national, men's national team continues to go down south to into the Caribbean and we never play well no it's never. A, it's another 2-1 defeat in the second leg. Um, or do we, do we want to talk about the first leg at all? Is there anything we want to bring up from that uh, one? We won the first leg, didn't we? We yes. won like 3-0. Yeah, well. Uh, but we didn't score until the 80th minute. We won We won four. We, we scored four goals, and the first goal came after the 80th minute. Yeah. But again, it's Trinidad. We should be beating, we should be beating them by 14 right. at that rate. So yeah, we um, won at home and then lost on the road, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. we just we can't play well in the Caribbean. I don't know what it is. And unlike the Trinidad, unlike the Trinidad game in 2018, uh, which uh, un- unlike that one, um, that game was played in. This one was actually played in Trinidad. The other, the one in 2018, the famous one that kept us out of the World Cup in Russia. I guess it was actually 2017 the game was played. That game was in Cuba. This game was in Trinidad. Um, and But it was very similar to that game. As they both finished 2-1 in both, in both cases. Uh, whoever is the coach does a really bad job with substitutions, and uh, the team just looks absolutely terrible at trying to control the game. Uh Matt, Matt, what are your thoughts on like, on like this repeated occurrence of the U.S. being terrible in the Caribbean? I mean, we just like not to beat a dead horse, but Greg Berhalter is not the coach that carries this team into the future. Um, the United States should be beating every team that isn't a top fifteen team in the world by substantial margins, especially when you bring anything resembling an A team. Um, it's one thing if the team is very youthful and uh, you're looking to develop players and try out players. This was not that. This was embarrassing. Um, and it's it's hard not to be pessimistic about a team that you want to be optimistic about because the results aren't there and the style of play doesn't evolve in a substantial way. Ethan, you have anything to add to that? There, I don't, I don't know if we'll get like a copyright claim for this, but there was a really funny uh, SNL sketch a couple years ago with Adam Sandler, where he played the owner of an Italian tours uh, company in Italy, and the whole point of this sketch was, you know, if you're sad where you are now, you're not going to be happy in Italy. Like we can take you around Italy, but we can't provide you happiness, and that's how I feel about the U.S. team. 
it doesn't matter the location. If we're bad in America, we'll be bad in Cuba or Trinidad or wherever. We're not going to, I don't think it's, it's just location. Obviously there's, there's factors that play into that, but I think as, as long as uh, Greg Berhalter is on the plane or the train or the bus that's taking us to whatever location, I think we'll struggle. Yeah. People got to stop blaming the fields. Blaming, blaming the turf is just such a low form um, for any, for any player to make. Um, it's not, yes, when we go play in the Caribbean and, and in other places in CONCACAF, the fields aren't as nice as like Wembley, but then also in Europe, there are, there are just as bad fields when it comes to international football. This is just international football. Yeah. There was one time I saw Portugal play Bosnia in Bosnia Mm -hmm. and the field they played on was a literal like cow pasture that they had like transformed into a field for the national team. I mean, you, you hate his guts, but we go back to the rant in 2017 when Taylor Twelman was ranting about us not making the world cup. He He brings up, he brings up that they played on a cow pasture. That's yeah. part of the ramp, and it's a good point. Like, doesn't matter. We have so much more money than Trinidad. We should never be losing to them. Not not only just is there more money being put into the program, uh, but Trinidad is like is as a country is the same size as like one like uh, not very big city in the U.S. Uh, so. The fact that that team is getting enough players who can beat us is is really, really scary. Uh, let's talk about the play that stole all the headlines and a, a big reason that did not help the U.S. Um, at all. Serginho Dest gets two yellow cards in quick succession and then just refuses to leave the field. We have players like Tim Ream and... Um, Matt Turner uh, just shoving Des to just leave. Des put out an apology um, after this game saying that, like, yeah, this was bad. Um, I apologize. Um, but, Connor, wh- what was your reaction to to how Des act- acted? All right, so... You guys, you guys can't see it because you're uh, you're looking at Nat through the call. But I'm actually wearing my Ajax jersey today just to try to get in the mindset to try to understand where Serginho Dest came from and why he keeps acting this way in a USMNT shirt. And I'm not gonna lie, man, I got nothing. I can't understand it. Um, the apology. Let's go to the apology for a second. I don't buy it. I don't accept it. Um, this is not the first time he's done something ridiculous like this. Um, he, we all remember the Mexico game where he, he just went after the Mexican attackers that were on his side and got himself sent off in that game as well. So I don't know. Ethan, what was your reaction to Dest or how, how do you feel about Dest in general as a player? Well, uh, okay. Well, when it comes to Serginho Dest, he's obviously a player with a lot of talent. He's super talented. I don't <laughs> questionable. I don't know how much of his talent lies uh, in his ability as a defender, but he he is very talented. Um, and from a neutral standpoint, 
uh, this red card is really funny. <laughs> from, from like from a USMNT standpoint, it's still funny, but it's it's also annoying because it it, it comes out of thin air. Like Dest Dest creates this red card all on his own, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, but it is also really funny. Um, it's honestly it's like really good refereeing because like there have been times yeah. where like referees where there have been times where a player should get two yellow cards in quick succession but then because of how stupid these kind of plays are it doesn't happen so like yeah. good refereeing to like be like no you're being dumb i'm in control you can't act this way yeah and it it makes it makes the u.s look really really bad um it now other teams know, okay, we're going to go after this guy anytime. I mean, we saw it in the Mexico game. He loses his control there. He loses his control here. Uh, so he's definitely a player who other teams are going to target. And then to talk about, like, his specific quality, right now he plays at a position where, like, we are very limited, and that is why he was there, and he's playing in Europe, so he's going he's gonna to get a start. But, like, he's not... He is not a good defender. Like he or he is like he he's he plays the role in which uh Trent Alexander Arnold plays in which he's better at attacking than before defending. And while and he's way below the level of Trent at attacking I was as, say, at that level. Like he, like they're not even close in skill level. Is he really good at attacking though? Like that's the other thing. He's he, not that good at attacking. So that's that's the question, right? He earned a move to Barcelona. Couldn't couldn't solidify his spot over an aging Sergi Roberto there. He got a move to Milan. He wasn't good enough to earn the starting right back spot at Milan. I so don't is think, he really good enough? I don't think he was good enough to go to Barcelona in the first place. He goes there because of Ronald Kuman just wanted to bring over any player with any Dutch connection. So he brings him over. He was never good for Barcelona. And then Barcelona rightfully sent him to AC Milan. And there, he barely can get on the field and isn't playing well at all. He's I, I just he's always been very overrated. And I think he just made he made those moves too soon. Like he should have stayed at Ajax, stayed in the Netherlands for longer than he did. Yeah, now he's now he's back in the Netherlands. Yeah. Because he he needed more time to develop, and I think it's, it, too, it's too late now. Yeah, it's and um at this point he's he's past the time where like he should already be at the the next level, and he has not gone up there yet. But again, there's no one like he's a right back, but besides uh, Jedi Robinson, he's second. He's like the backup for our left back. Which is just shows where we are for left backs and right backs these days. Yeah, and Jedi you know Jedi though? is mediocre at best. Yeah, Ethan. What? It's time for Joe Scally. It's time for NYCFC Academy product Joe Scally to secure his starting spot at right back for the USMNT. It, it, and okay. honestly, like I will take him over. <laughs> I was gonna say I wouldn't mind a Scally experiment yeah. at the moment. I mean, we try something uh, new. I mean, we also have the the we also have the Denmark the Denmark player, um, the 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 oh. Denmark dual national, and he's also a left back, and so he also 
Um, he's, he's been someone, impressive. He's someone who, who could uh, take the spot when Jedi's not in the field. What do you want to say about Scally, Matt? <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to say that, first of all, Serginio Dest is a fantastic futsal player. He would be so good <laughs> in a 5v5 setting where tactics fall, um, you know, less important than the actual skill of a player because he he is a baller. He's a baller with the ball at his feet. Uh, he plays those one-twos. He finds space in really small areas, but he is not an 11v11 player. He doesn't have the discipline. He doesn't have the ability. But on the topic of our extremely weak outside backs, World football at the highest level has evolved past the traditional outside back. We are looking at inverted outside backs all over the place. The best teams in the world are exploiting that. The the need for an outside back is, is, it's not something we need to seek out. We need a tactical evolution of the team, uh, or at least experiment with a tactical evolution of the team that sees players um, like like more traditional center backs or sixes or eights um, in those roles, playing higher up the field, splitting lines um, and letting wingers press nobody because that's, that's where world football is right now. And, and right now I'm so, I think not to stick everything on Burhalter, but even this Serginio desk problem feels like there's a solution with him on the field, with him not on the field, but but he just can't see it. He does. He refuses to evolve. He thinks the only way to break down a low block is to cross the ball. I'm, I'm so sick of it. And the Serginio Des problem compounds with the Burhalter problem in a really awful way to watch. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with blaming everything on Burhalter. I think that's the perfect. Like, I'm I'm 100% happy to scapegoat Burhalter. Just to be completely honest. So before. Uh, so before we talk about some of the controversial referee calls in the playoff semifinals, uh, with the result, even even with this loss, uh, because we win uh, this result on aggregate, uh, it means that the U.S. has uh, qualified uh, for Copa America 2024, which will be in the U.S., um, what do you guys think is the expectations for the U.S. Uh, going into this Copa America? Connor, let's start with you. First of all, I don't think they deserve that qualification spot for <laughs> Copa America, um, if we're being <laughs> completely honest. Um, Triple G Greg is back with the USMNT, as we all know, and um, it's not exciting in any way, shape, or form. The football is dry. <laughs> There is no sort of like attacking flow whatsoever besides when Gio Reyna is on the pitch, but he doesn't want to play Reyna. So I don't know. I, I don't expect anything from him at Copa America. I expect them to get smacked by all the South American teams that they play. Uh, even with, um, we look at uh, 2016 uh, uh, Copa America Centenario, the U.S. makes it to the semifinals, gets knocked out, uh, by uh, Argentina uh, and a wonderful free kick by Messi. Um, oh, yeah. Do you, uh, Matt, Ethan, you guys see any? Uh, do you think uh, the U.S. is still playing at home? Um, the only place where we seem to win. Um, Matt, how do you think we're gonna do? <laughs> um, I think the expectation fans should have 
um, to keep the team honest from a talent perspective is to not lose to anybody but Argentina, Brazil, and maybe Uruguay. Um, but my actual expectation, because of the coaching and because of the lack of creativity, is that they could lose to anybody and they could get grouped. Um, hmm. So I, in, an honest expectation for a team this talented is to only lose to the top three, two to three teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Matt. Uh, anything could happen under Greg. Uh, we could totally, we could totally fail. And with a squad that's more talented than the one that took us to the semis in 2016, the expectation should be that we can go back to the semis. But you never really know. What, what I'm thinking about right now is that it, it, I just remembered that I think uh, in that semifinal was that that was the game when uh, when Lavetsi fell over the the ad board and broke his arm do you guys yes yes that was pretty heartbreaking because he i mean he was i he did successfully uh head the bar yeah or or he might he may not have but it was like he just completely just didn't know it was there yeah and he just like he scorpioned like over it and and broke his arm or something like that i went to it argentina played in the first time I I or the only time I've I've seen Messi play in real life, it was Lavesi who scored uh a hat trick against uh Bolivia, uh was one of the games oh. in Seattle. Um man, that guy is someone who has just completely faded away um <laughs> into being just completely irrelevant, I would say these days. Um yeah, it's it it should be interesting to see where the US finishes i think the u.s will make it out of the group um i don't expect anything more than that uh so pot a from this is brazil argentina u.s and mexico so we how did we end up in pot a uh because qualifies us as a pot a team (laughs) as the host uh no it's based on fifa world rankings and our fifa oh well we're not we're supposed to be this high in the fifa world rankings yeah that's a ridiculous we are we're number 11 uh right now in the fifa rankings uh, that is that is why. Um, so, but we will not see Brazil or Argentina in the first round, and potentially not even in the second round as well, um, if they both win their groups. If we can do that, and we, that means we won't see Mexico either. It's true. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how this tournament plays out. I mean. Cup America Centenario was very well attended, so I think this is going to be a well attended tournament, um, and we'll we'll see how we'll see how that goes. All right, uh, let's move in to talking about. Uh, it was a very rough week for pro referees um, in the conference semifinals. You, when we when we're getting to the nitty gritty of the playoffs, one thing you never want to see is the referees uh, being a being front and center, um, and that's what we happened. So uh, going up first, uh, the first game that happened uh, was uh, Orlando versus Columbus. And this game, nothing very controversial in this game. Um, uh, there was a red card, and th- and but still, this game was not refed well. Like, uh, we look at, there's no big calls in this one. Uh, but a but a badly a badly refed game and it's 
really sad that this game was probably the best ref game from the conference uh, semifinals. Um, Ethan, any thoughts on seeing um, Orlando uh, bow out uh, to Columbus in Orlando? It was nice to see. I mean, it was it was a bit boring uh, from uh, from a viewer's standpoint, but uh, I mean, like I said in our group chat, I hate Columbus, but Orlando, you know, is NYCFC's expansion cousin. So I never really want them to see to succeed, or at least not more than NYCFC, which uh, thankfully they re- they kind of haven't until this point. I mean, I think they do have an open cup. Um, but uh, but I mean we got the big cup we got the big chip we got the chip. we got the MLS cup. I mean a massive a massive thanks to Columbus's goalkeeper is the reason they're moving on, making some outrageous oh, yeah. saves. Um, that's why they're moving on. Um, the goal that Columbus uh, first scores, Christian Ramirez um, gets lucky to be at the far post and put put it in. Um, then Cucho at the very end of the game. Um, we have uh, Gillespie is pretty far out, makes a bad pass, and then uh, Cucho scores um, from from half field. Um, now you're winning, you're winning two zero. Uh, Orlando has to push everything forward. Why are you ripping off your shirt? Uh, you're scoring on an empty net. Uh, this is not the time to rip off your shirt. Uh, and this is why Columbus is very annoying. Do you have any thoughts on 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 ripping off your shirt, Connor? Have you ever ripped off your shirt in the game? No, but it's playoffs. It's a, like I I would. It's the conference semifinals. If he did it in the regular MP season, goal. I would have been like, "All right, man, come on! Like, what are we doing here?" But it's the playoffs and conference semifinals. It's an empty goal. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I, I think it's warranted. I think it's warranted. Okay, uh, Connor says that uh, we're we are not allowed to be mad at him for ripping off his shirt it's, it is allowed um i mean our, you can ha- you can have whatever opinion you want on it if you if you particularly didn't like it that's fine i think if you're scoring a goal from half you said from half field yeah yeah if you score from half field in the conference semifinals i'd rip off my shirt um let's move on to the philadelphia cincinnati game uh which was defi- which was decided a uh, very close game by a very controversial uh, goal, uh, Cincinnati, the player who gets the assist, looks to be leaning offsides and just offsides, uh, but they do not. The AR keeps it down, and there is no review. Uh, Ethan, uh, watching this game live, you were very adamant that they got this wrong, and you have been... Uh, a big hater of Philadelphia Union fans, <laughs> but you support them here. Yeah. yeah, I never in my life did I think I would like be defending anything Philadelphia related or anything Union related um, because I I really really don't like them. But they got done very dirty here. I think this is so clearly offside. I don't know how it was not called initially on the field, and I don't know how it wasn't uh, corrected on VAR. I would say this is a very clear and obvious error. They really only had that one angle on the broadcast, so maybe there's another angle um, that would show me that 
that the assist wasn't offside, but he looked he looked very offside to me. This and is I, another I, thing uh, that uh, that pro referees uh, and MOS should stop saying is, oh, the referees have more angles. Like, what is the point of not showing the crowd or us the angles later on? Like, if there's an angle that shows that he's onside, show it to us. Like, why hide it from us? It's I don't understand that. I don't understand Andrew Weeby being like, um, oh, it's uh, all his arguments in instant replay. In instant replay this week, it, it still looks offsides to me. He takes one Twitter user's opinion and said, who says it's it's probably not uh, uh, offsides, and he says, yeah, it's not offsides. To me, this is offsides. <laughs> Yeah, there was um, what do you say, three inches in the instant replay video? Yes. It looked like to the naked eye. I don't know, man. Naked eye I, to me looked like he was pretty clearly in an offside position and I, came back to receive. The I ball. also don't understand like where is where is the measurement where you're getting that from the from the freeze frame photo because like the freeze frame photo like like know, how man. do you figure out the scale there? Don't looks, know. Looks, sounds, smells fishy to me. This is such a big, and it's a such a big game. Um, this game should have gone to extra time, um, which is it's it's rough that this is how it's decided. But I mean, um, I do like Cincinnati more than Philadelphia. Um, it stopped Matt from getting ten points in our prediction, so I I'll take it. Matt, anything to add here on on this call? Uh, I would like to add that those ten points would have been academic, and I one anyways um <laughs> and what a, yeah would have just been an insurance point total uh yeah um and i would also like to say that he probably is offsides but that is very poor defending from philadelphia their entire midfield line fell asleep and the oh, yeah. header back into the space is not quick enough for uh, a defender not to be there work back and cover that space so uh, even I mean it's the 93rd minute and you gotta feel the moment you gotta be turned on and you gotta you gotta play hard, and Philadelphia was not in that moment, and even though it seems offsides, they deserve to concede for that lack of effort in that moment. Honestly, yes, I will say I th- I do think Cincinnati, um, uh, yeah, they uh they're deserved winner here. They played a very well defense. And Philadelphia also had chances in this game where they could have uh, opened the scoring and they could have put put it away. So, um, again, it's another time where Philadelphia, it feels like they have all the parts, um, but they fall short, have yet to win uh, a real trophy, can't win the U.S. Open Cup, can't win the MLS, uh, can't win the MLS Cup. It really annoyed me on this broadcast how much they they talk about uh, Philadelphia uh, being like, oh, we have one of the lowest. Uh, I think it's they have the second lowest um, uh, sal- uh, player salaries. Um, only I think the only team that's below them is Colorado, um, oh. uh, which ah. makes sense. The owner puts nothing into Colorado, yeah. um, but like. You don't know why are we bringing this up? Like paying your players a lot doesn't guarantee you're going to win. Look at Toronto. They're finishing bottom of the East while they're paying Lorenzo Insigne 
millions of dollars. So let's stop bringing this up. It does not, you can pay your players as much as you want, but that does not correlate to the soccer field, always thought. All right, let's move on to, uh, I think this call is probably the worst one. Um, I don't know how the referees didn't go to VAR to change this one. Uh, it's in the Houston SKC game, two teams with a lot of history. Uh, and uh, after Houston takes uh, takes the lead, uh, uh, which uh, we saw, which saw uh, Hector Herrera put in a ball, um, he's taking corner kicks with both his left foot and his right foot, which, I mean, you got to be really good to, to be serving in good quality balls with both feet at this level. Uh, so that's huge. But then SKC has a chance, and it very, very much looks like uh, that a Houston defender standing on the goal line stops the ball from going in the goal with his wrist, with his arm, um, and uh, it was not given as a penalty. It was not given as a red card. Uh, Connor, let's start with you on this one. Yeah, the uh, the argument in the replay was that the angle from behind him, it wasn't clear and obvious, quote-unquote, that the ball had hit him solely in the wrist and not also in the torso by his wrist. But again, that is that is Weeby talking, and... And Weeby knows nothing. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't agree with what Weeby was saying in the uh, in the instant replay video. Listen, from from the footage, to me, to my naked eye, it looks pretty clear and obvious that not only did the ball hit the player in the wrist, but the wrist was actually next to the defender's body and then extended outward to physically stop the ball from going in the net and deny a clear goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, his his arm definitely moves when the shot is taking. So it's definitely not ball to hand or anything. Um, and I think on this play, especially the referee should have been sent over to look at the play because the center should be making this call. For the other offsides one, people are like, oh, the referee should just should go over um, and they should be uh, looking at this play since they're in the center. For offsides, it's a little, um, it's a little different because it should be either he's either on sides or off sides. But for this play, you send the referee over to the monitor because the referee should be looking at this, even though it's sort of the same thing where it's it hit the hand or not. This is clear, like, this is a penalty. Matt, what are your thoughts? This looks like a penalty to me. Um, penalty, red card. He makes himself bigger. His arm moves when the ball is shot, and it looks like it even moves backwards when the ball hits him. Admittedly, the camera angle makes it very difficult to tell um, if the ball hits him more in the body or more in the arm, at least the one they use in the uh, highlights of the game. I don't know if they had anything different in the instant replay show, but um, no, it was the same thing. Like penalty red card. It was this. Yeah, the, this angle, this angle makes it impossible with a better angle. I think it's a penalty. Well, not impossible. This angle makes it, much more difficult than it should be with any other angle an angle from behind skc's goal or behind houston's goal probably shows a penalty red card easiest var decision ever but the only thing i'll say is that the angle makes it difficult 
uh, we're coming to the end of Matt's time for this episode. Uh, Matt, before you before you leave, um, do you want to uh, quickly defend uh, Walker Zimmerman being included in the team of the year over Yamar? Um, even though your team did not make it as far and Walker Zimmerman very much had a down year this year? Um, well, I would say, who do you think has more fans, Seattle or Nashville? Um, I would definitely say Seattle. Seattle, interesting. Um, I mean, and so I mean, how many how MLS many more fans come to the game to, can fit in our stadium? And then if the if the MLS were to make a political uh, appeasing fans kind of decision to put someone on the best eleven, would they put Yamar or Walker? Um, uh, I would actually. I I don't actually think this works because I think Walker, uh, I I think Walker has more, has more of a following than Yamar. Okay, and that's that's why it's, it's part it, of that. The way I see it, you have to admit one of two things: they are trying to appease the more dedicated, larger Nashville fan base by appointing Walker, or no. it's simply a meritocracy, and Walker's been selected. I think so it's I, I think it's the second I think it's the second I one. I think Walker does not deserve here, to be I'll, here. I'm sending this over. I, but yeah. I I have to go. And <laughs> it's uh, been a good one. Football is life. It's another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Typical Matt right. uh uh goes leaves the show after making a uh a terrible take. And what? we'll move on. It should have been Yamar. Walker Zimmerman is a good player. This year, he was second. He was second best to Yamar. Yamar should have beaten Matt Miazga what? for Defender of the Year. But you win. You win uh, Supporter Shield. They're good. They're gonna give it to Cincinnati. Walker Zimmerman did have a down year, but a down year for Walker Zimmerman is still a great year for any other MLS center back. So personally, I think it's fine that he was included. Should have been Yamar. Should should have should have been Yamar. Made it farther. Same amount of goals. Uh, uh, can see um, allowed. Whereas Nashville and Seattle. Um, and Yamar has been spectacular. Um, all right. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, we fell to LAFC. Um, but I do think there are uh, a lot of positives uh, from this game um, in which uh, the Sounders had two of our DPs uh, start on the bench. And uh, I still think we played very well the entire game. I don't. And um, obviously it, wa- it wasn't like we were yelled. Anyone was really yelling like we got to bring in Nadero and Ra- Raul immediately because our young players have been performing, and the people who did win the starts did play well in this game. Unfortunate to find the back of the net, but moving forward, we're going to have a lot of the same pieces next year, which is a good thing. Um, and, I mean, it's sad that this is the end of an era uh, for for the team as Ladero plays his last game for the Sounders. But again, Nadero has given the Sounders everything 
uh, that he could. Two MLS Cups, the only MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, so it's, it's the time that he moves on. I hope that he goes to Uruguay. Um, I will... I think the Sounders don't want to see him playing for another MLS team, so I think he's going to go um, outside of the league. But we'll see what's next for Ladero. I don't think I don't think it's necessarily that uh, bad of a thing for the Sounders to go out to LAFC, though. I think that going out to a team with that much firepower is kind of respectable in their kind of situation in this playoffs. And like going back to what I was saying about stars, is well. Our two star, while like our two notable stars were on the bench in this game, having your star on the field, I mean, we know how important in MOS it is to have DPs on the field. Uh, and Dennis Buanga, the Golden Boot winner this year in MOS, gets it. They have he has one chance, and it's a great finish. It's a really, really nice finish. He doesn't think about doing anything else, um, except placing it. In the back of the net with a lot of power, no chance for Fry, and it's unfortunate. Um, there's a you can't blame the Sounders' defense on this play. I mean, Alex Rodon um, coming back, but the Sounders pushing forward. Um, the game would have the game could have been different very easily if Jordan Morris uh, puts away a chance uh, early in the first half where he makes he runs straight past Chiellini. That was excellent. Keelini playing his first game in Seattle on turf. Um, and in classic Morris fashion, um, which we've seen again, Morris likes to then, if he gets one-on-one with the, with the keeper, he'll do like a little dink over the keeper. That's typical Morris instead of trying to round the keeper. Now, since the game has happened, we can say maybe he should have tried to round the keeper, but that's typical Morris. He'll learn from that. And that, that should not take away from the season that Morris had this year, which was a very good season. Um, as And especially, like, we don't know what's gonna what's the deal with Raul. Um, we don't know where Morris is going to be playing next year. Um, but he had a good season, and uh, he still has many good years to come, I believe. Um, but now we have to get into the refereeing. Because Ted Uncle was so, so bad this game. He's always been like a, a, a at the bottom end of MOS referees, but so inconsistent. The first yellow card is not shown till the 80th minute, and it's for the goalkeeper getting uh, uh, a yellow card for time-wasting, which I've talked about before. It's stupid at this point because no goalkeeper is going to give a goalkeeper two yellow cards for time wasting they're just not going to do that there were so many lafc players and i was texting ethan during the game saying like okay buanga that's his fifth foul kenan acosta fifth foul no cards given away uh given for consistent infringement while the sounders are getting yellow cards then we have chiellini taking out Christian Rodon outside of the box so it can't be reviewed, but completely misses the ball. That should have been a yellow card. Then Chiellini should have been off when he completely tackles Raul Rodriguez to the ground. That would have been his second yellow. Absolutely terrible refereeing from Uncle. And it's written, yes, the Sounders should have scored besides that, but 
these small yellow cards, they do change games. And knew who's on a yellow card from 60, 60 minutes of this game, and he has to be careful. That changes how you have to defend. So if more of these players on NFC are on yellow cards every time the game changes, they have to be more careful. There's more space. It doesn't allow them to park the bus for 45 minutes. I do think Ted Uncle was a factor in this game. Ethan, any thoughts on Ted Uncle? I well, I just want to say, you know, you're doing something really bad if if even Taylor Twelman is criticizing you, which which he was. Yes. Uh, towards the sort of the final quarter to the rest of this game, um, and he was just pointing out Ted Uncle's inconsistencies, which were abhorrent. It, it was crazy. The and uh, and look, obviously, this is something that happens to a lot of teams and home fans and speaking from experience are often like, well, wh why, why didn't that happen for us? And things like that. And it's like, what is this? They're totally biased, man. And, you know, things like that, which I get completely. Um, but some of these calls were really strange. I don't like an LAFC player would commit a foul that a Seattle player had just received a yellow for like the same foul and would get nothing. And then upon repeated offenses and repeated offenses, still nothing and it was just really strange and incredibly inconsistent um, i was heated during this game i can tell i, was, I can tell you I were was, fired up yeah, i was were, were really heated? really heated your seattle was bias it partly is because coming you were through watching in your hot tub or was it the nah nah or, that i can't i couldn't do that for this game i, I mean like <laughs> i have to be wearing a sounders jersey during the game so uh it's uh, kind of harder do you to have do. do you have a lucky sounders jersey that you wear during a game like do you have a specific one that I needs mean, to be like, worn I mean, like, if we win, if I'm wearing a Sounders jersey for us to win uh, that that we've won, like, the last time, I usually stick with that one. So the game that, so the jersey I wore to the last game against Dallas was my Roman Torres jersey. Okay. Um, Which, and then Roman Torres actually ended up being the person who did Scarves Up um, at the beginning of that game. So that was funny that he was at that uh that game so i was wearing that jersey again for this game obviously it didn't turn out um so probably for the next have game to retire the roman torres jersey then. no i'll still be doing that i mean i'll probably i mean with the sounders getting a new crest um i'll probably have to get a new I, i'll probably end up getting a new a jersey with like our new color and our new logo on it for next year um but we'll see i mean Again, the Sounders had chances. Um, Kripo played really well. Um, and LAFC, and Stephen Fry said after this game, one of the reasons this was frustrating is that, I mean, it felt like a final. And I agree with Fry, who said, um, I, like, um, the team who won, won this game has a very good chance to go all the way. And... I really, really do not want to see LAFC win the MOS Cup this year. Um, I will. I don't want. I don't want a team from Texas to win either. Um, it's going to be really interesting if Houston, um, if Houston wins MOS Cup and they win the U.S. Open Cup, because arguably you could argue that they had the best season, even over Cincinnati, who won the Supporter Shield. Um, I don't want to see Columbus win um, again. I, I wouldn't say that they've won again. I wouldn't say that it counts as another win because they won the 2020 season, um, which was a fake, a fake season. Um, <laughs> uh, and 
even though Zillarayon isn't there, I don't want them to win. Them in that final, would it have been a fake season then? Um, no comment on that. Um. Anyway, that's like everybody that says LeBron's Lakers ring is a bubble ring. Um, exactly. Um. Anyway, I would say that. I I would with all that being said, I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I mean, uh, they won the supporter shield. Um, they won the wooden spoon three times. Um, I don't have anything really against them right now. So that's who I'm rooting for Cincinnati. Hopefully, I didn't just completely uh, give uh, jinx, jinx them. them. Really jinx it right now. Um, Sorry, Cincinnati. There there goes there goes the chances of your first MLS Cup. Well, they do have the uh, Landon Donovan MLS MVP on their team, so. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, it is. It is. Isn't, still crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's still crazy that Matt yeah made that prediction. Still wild. Um, okay, so we got two minutes uh, left in the show. It's another time we have. We picked goals of the year. Uh, so many times, and then there, and then we keep talking <laughs> on other topics. So, uh, I think we're gonna push go of the year um, uh, to another show, and that'll yeah. be good. Matt can talk about um, his Nashville picks. Yeah, that's um, definitely. So, one in this yeah, last, Matt wrote some beautiful prose for us, but we, we won't be able to read it. Yeah, or maybe Matt will be able to read it next time. Hopefully, he'll he'll do a better job of that uh, for <laughs> for go of the year. Uh, and we'll talk, and we will decide which one of our teams uh, had the best goal this year. Next time, uh, next show will be uh, next Wednesday, 3 p.m. right here on WECB, the Underground Sound of Emerson College. We want to remind you uh, to follow uh, Football's Life on Instagram at uh, football at uh, Football's Life. Uh, dot WECB and on Twitter at WECB uh, football. Uh, also, uh, we want to remind you that you can listen to Connor's radio show. Absolutely. Uh, getting a bit messy Fridays. Fridays, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right back here on WECB. Getting a bit messy. And then also follow Getting a Bit Messy on Instagram as well and on Instagram threads. Instagram handle is at Getting a Bit Messy. Uh, so we'll be back next Wednesday, December 6th, 3 p.m. right here. WECB, the underground sound of Emerson College. And till then, football, football is... is-